to recede. We'll hear from the district chief executive who is cautioning residents not to return to their homes yet. And in a few hours, Adum Praise 2023 begins. We'll tell you what to expect and how to get a ticket to the choir's edition of the annual music festival. Do stay for details. Thanks for your company. The details now. You may find visuals and narrations in the story disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. Some military officers allegedly stormed Garu in the Upper East region early uh, to subject civilians, particularly men, to corporal punishments and physical assault resulted in injuries. It's unclear what exactly triggered the incident. We'll be speaking to local government officials shortly for more details. First, here are some residents recounting their experiences. We're in the room, I and my husband. So they came and they were not. So we thought they were armed robbers. So we defended ourselves, not knowing that they were, they were soldiers. So they came in and started scattering our room, asking us to bring out gas which we don't have. All our rooms, our doors, they break everything and started beating my husband. That is what happened. They beat him after they sent him out. They beat him to the station. It's not fair. We don't even know why they are doing that. Now, one of our guys fainted. Whether he will uh, survive it or not, we, don't, we, are not, we, we are not in the picture. We don't know what has happened. Some of our members are not there. They've taken them away. In fact, there is what we call uh, st uh, lawlessness in this country. And the president and the minister of defense must be answerable to this because we Garo people, we are not just laymen like that. We are also human beings. We enjoy human rights. And we cannot allow our brothers and, and sisters to be, suffer this kind of humiliation. It is out of bounds. We must state it categorically that if this is what the MPP government want to bring to the people of Garu and the entire Kosak, then they should better back up because I know that for sure in Ghana here, if there's going to be anything that will bring about chaos in this country, it's going to be about some of these things and nothing else. What has happened? Garu here is a very peaceful area, peace-loving people, and we have enjoyed this peace for so many years now. We don't know what the military want and what they want to plant in Garu so that there will be insecurity for, for, for us here. Uh, in fact, we are highly disappointed in the act that... So you heard there's some residents and victims of that alleged brutality by the military. Let's now speak to the MP for Bulsa North, James Agalga. He's also on Parliament's Defence and Interior Committee. Um, good afternoon. Thanks for your time, Mr. Agalga. First off, can you confirm if these acts were actually carried out by military men? Uh, kindly unmute your device. Hello, Mr. Galga, can you hear me, please? Yes, I can hear you. 
Great. I was asking, so that's, the information coming in is quite sketchy. Are you able to confirm if this was really uh, carried out by military men? Yes, yes, yes. The military has not denied that the um, invasion of Garou was something which happened at the There's no denial. And so um, I take it that the military is responsible for the brutalities in Garou. I've seen the images and it's very disturbing. I mean, in this time and age, uh, that our military would visit such brutality on the people of Garou, definitely something must have provoked the military action. But there cannot be any justification for what we are seeing. I am reliably informed that some, there was some attack at the Garou police station. There was some shooting incident at the station. Now, if that is why the military moved in, kept the whole of Garou under siege, moved into people's homes, and tortured them, tortured them to pulp, I would say there can never be a justification for such conduct. Look, those who must have engaged in the shooting incident at the Garou police station ought to be fished out and dealt with in accordance with law. So for the military to step in and then subject the youth of the town, the men, I mean, of Garou to this kind of treatment can never be justified. And I want to condemn the action of the military. Why? Because this is coming on the back of uh, a similar incident which happened in Atashama, which became the subject of a parliamentary probe. I thought that lessons would have been learned, but it appears that I mean, we are not learning lessons at all, and these things keep recurring. I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, and I, 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 I would push for this matter to be uh, investigated. Mm, um, but currently, um, we haven't heard from the military like you've established. And I'll come back to you for more of this, but we've been joined by Musa Osman, who is DCE for the area. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. So we are just hearing for MP uh, of the area, who is telling us what possibly could have triggered this. But on the ground, what have you picked up? You are head of DISEC in the area. What exactly caused this reaction, uh, allegedly, from the military? Um, thank you so much. Um, good afternoon to your listeners. Yes, um, uh, inferences are strongly pointing to the attack on the, security, uh, the national security vehicle. Uh, I've not had categorical response from the military, though. Uh, but then, um, this morning, while we were there with them to sleep with them to see with us, uh, inferences were, where were we when the boys were attacking the vehicle and all that? So, there are strong inferences to the attack on the security uh, vehicle. Uh, but as it is now, um, our concern uh, was to quickly remedy the situation and then um, as quickly as possible convene as dissect and then fashion a way out of uh, this whole thing and then to ensure that we are not going to have this again. Uh-huh. So uh, as of now, the status quo is that uh, people are responding to treatment at the various uh, at the health facility in Garo, where we've had to uh, invoke the presence of the doctors and then uh, also more logistics 
to be able to take care of people who need the medical attention. And uh, we've also, um, uh, we also have it now that uh, the military have completely withdrawn from the constituency. They are not in the district anymore. They have gone back to camp. And so calmness is being restored. Today happens to be a Garu market day. Uh, I had to speak through the radio, the, the FM station in Garo to calm uh, the tension and the fears uh, around. Uh, and so the place is relatively calm. Uh, looking forward is that tomorrow morning, dissect is convening, uh, involving all the security operatives uh, within the district uh, to fashion a way forward and then to see, uh, to get our recommendations uh, forwarded to the uh, Regional Coordinating Council and then forward to, 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 to Accra and to Interior. Could I take your statement on the withdrawal of the confirmation that this was actually carried out by the military? There was a bit of a cut, please. You just told yes. us that military withdrawn from Garu are you then suggesting that this was carried out by the military? You're confirming that increase um, your your um, constituents and uh, residents of Garu have suffered were carried out by the military, or were caused oh, yes. by the military. Oh, yes. yes, I can confirm that. All right. Was, uh, we also okay. We've also been told that, especially the men, um, some of them fled to the forest to the valleys to seek refuge. Do you know if they are back? And um, how are the women and children who were left behind also faring? Um, the women and children are faring well. Um, however, the runaways, uh, we are unable to speak to that. Um, uh, like I told you, I was at the health facility until about an hour ago an hour ago or so, because I was among the first who sent the casualties to uh, the hospital. I was among the first to get to the hospital. When I got there, there was no patient from those casualties. But by the time I left there, we had as well as over 25 persons that were brought for medical attention. Relatives had come to fill the whole hospital, and then also the staff were also doing their bits of it and so uh, considering the situation i'm unable to speak to those who run away to the valley right uh, i mean i'll come to you shortly let me go back to uh, mr james agalga who is mp for bulsa north and uh, mr agalga do we know if this was uh, a military sanctioned exercise because sometimes we have that you know confusion where sometimes soldiers you know, act on their own when they feel offended by certain activities of civilians. We have examples of that. And we also have examples of operations that are sanctioned by the military high command. Do we know as we speak if this is an operation that was sanctioned by the military high command? Well, these are matters that ought to be investigated. At the moment, I cannot um, say for a fact that the operation was sanctioned by the high command or some soldiers were on a frolic of their own, which is why I ended my statement by um, indicating that we shall push for um, an investigation, mm. uh, particularly um, given the fact that this is coming on the back of a similar incident which occurred at Ashaman. As I speak, 
the committee's report on Ashaban is ready and will be debated by the House as soon as the House reconvenes on the 31st of this month. And so I am surprised that a similar incident could occur when it is very clear to the armed forces, the military high command, that when they unleashed brutality on the people of Ashaban, Parliament, the People's um, Assembly, did not take kindly to those actions and actually launched a probe. The results, the findings of which would be made public in the coming days. Mm. Mr. Gauga, thank you for your time. We'll stay in touch with you as we uh, follow up on this story that we are learning about over the time. Mr. Uh, Mr. Osman, just stay with me. Um, what is also telling you about this? Because if this was first place hello mr osman can you hear me yes i can hear yes. you now yes i was asking i was asking what the police in the area is doing about this situation as well because if i got you clearly this was likely triggered by an attack on a police station so why should the military get involved in the first place yeah, that is yet to be fashioned out. But uh, the police command, uh, I have not since not been able to uh, talk to the commander in charge. Me, I got the call around 2 a.m. and I came out around quarter to three. Around quarter to three, I was at the scene until this morning, around after six, that I started carrying victims to the hostel. Uh, I have not been able to reach the police commander. I have tried uh, countless times. He's not responding even up to now. He has not returned my calls up to now. Because I wanted to also zero, I wanted to understand uh, the reason for the operation and uh, what is the authority that is sanctioning the operations. I'm not getting that, I'm not getting his response and so I'm not able to tell whether he's aware or not. The NIB, uh, I woke him up from his sleep from that time, uh, 2 o'clock. And uh, he seems not to be aware of the operations. Uh, I was at the scene and I kept updating him of what is happening even at 6 a.m. this morning. While at the hospital, I was updating him uh, of the casualties that we have had up to now. Uh, but after the police command, no. Up to now, no information about them. Don't you find it rather disturbing that uh, an incident of this magnitude has occurred and the, the, the police commander is not responding to your calls, neither has he reached out to you. Very, very, very disturbing. Very disturbing. So tomorrow morning we'll be having DISEC, and DISEC will bring out recommendations and way forward, and we'll carry it to the letter. Right. Thank you so much for your time. Musa Osman is DCE for Garu, and we are just learning uh, that some military men went into that town and um, inflicted some injuries on persons. We understand that this was triggered likely uh, by an attack on a police station by some men in that area. It's still a developing story, so we'll be gathering all the information and sharing it with, with you um, online, on radio, and on television as well. But if you just joined us, it has been confirmed that this was actually carried out by the military. What we don't know is whether it was sanctioned by the High Command. Away from that story, the Volta River Authority, VRA, has initiated a major disinfection 
and fumigation exercise in communities affected by flooding resulting from the Akosombo Dam spillage. This follows the gradual decrease in flood waters in some areas of Mepe in the North Tong district of the Volta region. VRA's Emergency Preparedness Coordinator, Engineer Kwame Osemen Sadakwa, says the authority is committed to ensuring the safety and habitability of homes, public spaces, and the entire community after the floods. There's more. Schools, homes, and commercial places have been fumigated as the Volta River Authority VRA has commenced a major disinfection and fumigation exercise in communities affected by the flooding resulting from the Akosombo Dam spillage. This disinfection is in response to the gradual decrease in flood waters in certain impacted areas of Mepe in the North Tongue district of the Volta region. In an interview with Joy News, the VRA's emergency preparedness coordinator, engineer Kwame Osei-Men Sandakwa, emphasized the VRA's commitment to ensuring the safety and habitability of homes, public spaces, and the entire community following the floods. The water in terms of the spill has resided significantly and most of the areas are very dry. In fact, you can actually walk through them and inspect some specific houses. So we did a quick recce together with the assembly, with the traditional council, with the health uh, inspector of the assembly, then realized that most of the places were dry and people had started going back to to stay in their uh, respective residence. And so VRA has decided to start uh, decontamination exercise so that those who go there would, will live in a safe environment and not be exposed to any health hazards. And so we intend to, as a matter of agency, start the work with the MEPE area where the extent of inundation was quite pronounced. Meanwhile, the district chief executive of the North Tongue Assembly, Divine Osborne Fenu, commended the VRA for its prompt disinfection exercise, but urged residents to await the completion of the fumigation exercise before returning to their homes. Some areas that still have uh, like water, especially what we call at the, uh, the RCGSS to uh, the other side of Mepe. You can see that the water has uh, receded drastically. Um, so it is even very difficult to cross there now because of the uh, uh, the level uh, the water has gotten to now. And so we, we have moved in yesterday to check some of the houses, but I, I cannot actually put a percentage to it. As you go to the floor, you see that a lot of the houses are, are dry now, and so we need to do the fumigation and decontamination of those uh, uh, houses. And then we, we are saying that uh, we, they have to do some structural uh, inspection of those buildings, even after the fumigation, to see whether those buildings are good enough for people to just move in. Uh, we don't want to have a case where people move in and the houses collapse and all that. So we'll let our engineers, after this fumigation, go and inspect those structures and, and, and ensure and see whether it is uh, uh, good for them to go and habit them for now. It was a very, very rapid response. Because yesterday, when they started calling that they were coming, we were uh, we, we were on the full doing some uh, relief administration. Uh, and I must I must commend them for this particular one. Until those things are done, we are appealing to everybody to remain at where they are now. 
to ensure that we, we save lives. Meanwhile, some victims say even though they are happy with the fumigation exercise, they are still looking forward to the rebuilding of their collapsed houses. If they think, they know better. If they think there will be a sickness and they are doing all this, I think it's better. I think it's better because we don't know if a doctor says you are sick. Then you are probably sick. The VRA should compensate us. Because to me, when they didn't say anything at all, when they have cheated us, because I was informed today when the Nazi three happened. They went around, gave everybody something. That time, the, this time was very small. But today, that it has expanded. I think they must give us some compensation. According to the Deputy NADMO Director, Seji Saji, the fumigation exercise is expected to be extended to other affected areas. There's going to be a bigger, uh, broader assessment.
We are not taking it from the roots. If we want you to die, let's go deep down and take the roots. Okay. We are catching small people. There are big people under the roots. If we catch the big ones. Now, the figure of displaced persons in the Bupe Flats has increased to more than 6,000 from an initial 1,500. This came to light when the bulk oil storage and transport company Bost donated relief items to victims. Martina Bugri has more. Flats are currently being housed in three camps in the district. While some are being housed in classrooms, others are living in tents built by the Red Cross. Speaking to Joy News, the Acton Central Gunja District Director of NADBU, Draman Ayibatu, said the water receded some few weeks back, but started rising early today. She said over 6,000 people have been affected. Situation now. Is even beyond control because people are homeless and we are camping them. We have three different camps in the district. We've evacuated schools and Red Cross came in and supported with tents. We have 6,000 people displaced in the district capital and surrounding villages. But the records are still ongoing because the water is still coming. Two days today, it didn't rain. And today, it didn't rain. But the water settled for two days. But this job, per NADMO's records, we check, and the water has come today. One of the victims, Madame Binta, said they were living in hardship and appealed for support. She also expressed worry over their children staying at home. Since we arrived at the camp, things have been difficult, food to eat, and we are not working. We know you have helped us, but we are still appealing for more help. Our children are home, and they are not attending school. We are worried. Another victim, Agawu Francis, said they used a the canoe to maneuver their way around. He said except three houses currently where they are living, everybody has been evacuated. It came by surprise and that the difficulties we face is water. And if you were to defecate, it's a problem. We are lucky we have one in the market over there. So that is where we def always defecate. And then when we want to go home, unless we, I mean, we cross from this bridge, I usually leave the canoe with them here. They sleep here, and I go home to sleep in the house. Do that place there is water in the house as well, but it has not entered the room, so we manage it that way. The items donated included 100 bags of rice, 70 cartons of oil, and 1,000 bags of chassis water. The general manager, external relations at Bust, Malik J said aside the donation, they were working around the clock to drill boreholes to help deal with the water crisis. We are funded and established by the states, and we are owned by the people. So stepping in, 
to make this donation to mitigate the plight of the people is the least we could do. We wish to assure the people that this is not going to be the last in the series. We appreciate the challenge that the sources of drinking water are heavily polluted by the overspill of the waters and we are taking steps to even get them boreholes to ensure that diseases don't visit them even as they suffer being moved from their homes and going through all these difficulties at this point in time. Because we are a state-owned enterprise and the Public Procurement Act has procedures, we have triggered the emergency procurement methods to ensure we get them a borehole as soon as practicable. But in the meantime, we are coming here today with two truckloads of water for them to use whilst monitoring the space to ensure that we stick to the procedures of the act to bring in a contractor who will help us to start with at least a borehole so that their water situation will be quickly mitigated for them to live well. The DC for the area, Idris Salia Kamara, appeal for more support. Water is still coming. Yesterday it has come back again. It was going, but yesterday the water came back again more. So we don't know our fate yet. So we still plead not only boss, other NGOs who has not yet come to support us can still you know, hear our cry and come to help us. Thank you so much for staying here on Joy Newsroom. Just gone by, we heard from MP and DCE for Garu, uh, where some military men stormed the town, brutalizing people. That we brought you details of what exactly was likely to trigger it. Still to come in a few hours, a Doom Praise 2023 begins. I'll be telling you what to expect and how you can get a ticket to the Quas edition of the annual music festival. Do stay with us. Starting this October 20th to 11th of November. The African Football League, who is going to be crowned Africa's champion of champions and take the lion's share of the 14.4 million prize money. Catch all the games streaming at www.aflafrica and on FIFA Plus. The African Football League, our game, our home. Now let's shine together. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to demonstrate to you the superior properties of flamingo paint. As compared to other paint brands on the market, we take equal quantities of flamingo paint and this ordinary paint. We then dilute them with water. And now, let the test begin. The gentleman on the left is going to apply the ordinary paint. And the gentleman on my right will use the flamingo superior paint. As you can clearly see, flamingo has the obvious better hiding. Furthermore, flamingo has painted a much larger area you know one bucket of flamingo paint is equal to several buckets of any other paint brand on the market flamingo paint is made with superior formulation to give superior durability superior hiding superior coverage flamingo paint simply superior
D.C. sports fans, Monumental Sports Network is here. Get everything Caps, Wizards, and Mystics all in one place. Live games and stat tracking, new shows, your favorite personalities, and more. Visit WatchMonumental.com to learn more. News is important. It's the only way you get to know the things that happen around you, what affects you today and the future. At Joy News, we have reporters scattered around the country who tell us about the communities they live in, the people and their stories. A key part of our job here at Joy News is to make clearer the muffled voices in every part of society. We shine light on the issues. My name is Aisha Ibrahim and this is Joy News. Independent, credible and fearless. Thanks for staying here on Journey's Room. I'm Bernice Abubedulansa, now sister of Dr. K. Ebuzia, former Prime Minister of Ghana, says no matter how bad a civilian government may be, Ghanaians, especially the youth, should not consider a coup. Amabuzia says the consequences of military governments are dire and should not be encouraged. She witnessed military takeovers in Ghana and wants the youth to rather hold government accountable. She spoke to Samuel Imbura of our political desk. Young men who have never seen coup d'etat before, if they have seen it and experienced it, they will never talk about coup d'etat. Never. What I have gone through and what others have gone through, I don't think, however bad a civilian government is, is better than a military government. However bad, bad, bad civilian government is, is better than military coup. I think if they haven't read about coups, they should go and find books and read about coups. Or they should contact somebody who was alive when coup d'etats will happen one after the other in this country. And they will never, never ask for coup d'etat in this country. If five o'clock you are standing on your uh, 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 veranda and they come and arrest you because they say there's a curfew. If you can't go out, if, I mean, businesses broke down, everything broke down, you wouldn't call for it. You see, the whole world is turning upside down. Things that are happening, you listen to them, and you say, what is happening? So um, we should be ready, be prepared, tune our minds and say that whatever is coming, we are going to face it to make the best out of make uh, marmalade out of uh, lemon and face it. 
but not good. I don't think there's any head of state who really deliberately wants to punish his uh, citizenship. No, I don't think so. So if anything is going wrong or something, I don't think it's deliberate. He wants to leave a legacy. He wants to leave office that they say, oh, when I know Kufado came, he did this. But circumstances are such. It's not allowing him to do it. I don't think he enjoys to see a Ghanaian suffering. No, I wouldn't. He, by nature, is very kind-hearted by his own nature. Now, Communications Director for Dr. Mahmoud Baumia's camp, Nana Komia, says Team Baumia is focused on reaching out to delegates with their message and not responding to accusations from other camps. Speaking on news file, Nana Komia added the Vice President's objective is to refrain from attacking members of other campaign camps. Well, I believe that the surprise of the campaign is that we have not had a lot more sentiments being expressed, like Honorable Pariasa, that the Baumia camp has been quite restrained because Baumia himself wants his team to focus on the message, not on the message of opponents, not on the accusations of opponents, no matter how uh, damaging the accusations may be. He wants us to focus on the message to the delegate. Sort of reflect his demeanor. Yes. Um, but otherwise, you are going to have a lot more of the reaction that Oparianza had done. And in Oparianza's case, he himself had been directly accused. You remember an accusation was made that he went to take some money or he went to demand some money and so on. And if he believes that these accusations are baseless, it would be difficult to restrain him. And then this business about the threats, we've all seen the threats. We've all seen footage of my brother Kennedy uh, uh, telling people that if they didn't vote one way or the other, they were going to face repercussions, you know, which uh, is quite uncalled for because that amounts to threats. And in many of these footage that we've solution, seen... But solution is rather going to bring trouble because he says he's also going to match there with his team. You guys are not cowards. If he thinks he's a man, whatever. I mean, that's not how to go about it. So you what, you, what, you're, what you're saying is that, what you're saying is that two, two wrongs don't make a right. Correct. Point taken. Now, away from politics, women farmers in the Tichuman municipality of the Puno East region have renewed their interest in organic methods of managing weeds. They say the use of agrochemicals has resulted in environmental and health problems. There's more in the following reports by Anas Sabit. Organic farming is a form of agriculture that relies on crop rotation, green manure, biological pest control and mechanical cultivation to maintain soil productivity and pest controls. In organic agriculture, the use of synthetic pesticides is not allowed. However, organic pesticides which are safer and more environmentally friendly are highly recommended. Here in the Tichima municipality, Women Farmers, through a project established by the Center for Indigenous Knowledge and Organizational Development with support from ActionAid, were taken through a training on how to use urine as a material for organic pesticides. Okpapajo James is with the Institute of Sustainable Livelihood. He shares with me what informed his decision to come up with an organic weedicide. 
the whole idea of organic weed side started when I started farming. Because so today I bought this organic, uh, inorganic weed side and sprayed, and I almost lost my life. So from there, I decided to think out of the box to see how I can make something to kill the weeds. Because one of the disadvantages in organic farming is about to control the weeds. So I started putting a lot of things together. After several trials, James finally came up with a much more efficient organic weedicide that is less harmful and much more environmentally friendly. First, I did with uh, urine alone. It didn't kill the weeds. Then I did with potash from cuckoo and then added uh, salt to it. And, and it worked perfectly. So since then, I, whenever I met the women, I tried to see how I can show them how, how, how it works. James tells me that this environmentally friendly organic weedicide will go a long way in mitigating climate change, which seals into the goal 13 of the Sustainable Development Goal, which focuses on taking urgent action to combat climate change and its impacts. This is one of the shortest ways to, to mitigate climate change. You see, this is one of the shortest ways because uh, when you use the inorganic fertilizers, we know what, is, what, is, how, uh, what it does to the land. It destroys the land, it destroys the texture, and it destroys the, 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 the boring insects in the soil that could put in nutrients into the soil. They kill them. Those things kill all of this. But with this system, it doesn't kill any of this thing. It, it adds nutrients more into the soil. So that is one of the shortest ways to, you know, uh, mitigate climate change. I then paid a visit to a farm in Forikrum where Adiza Ahenewa, a trainee on the project, has decided to put what she learned into practice. Adiza tells me the locally generated weed side is effective and very economical. This one is economical because the alata soap does not cost uh, too much and the urine is from ourselves. Uh -huh, so it's economical. And this one too, it, does, it doesn't destroy the land. The land gain its fertility, but as compared to the uh, inorganic, you will buy it and the price too is costly. And I want to destroy the land. For the head of programs at the Center for Indigenous Knowledge and Organizational Development, Wilberforce Lati, the effectiveness of the training given to the local women farmers provides him with the motivation to do more. Well, I, I, felt, I felt really motivated to continue the work I'm doing. I mean, seeing the women learn, because I was there when they did the training for them, and coming to see it in practice, I was so excited that I'm not wasting my time, you know, and, and excited also that it works. It really works, you know, so I, I, I think I'm motivated to continue, um, especially with the women, women movements here. Reporting for Joy News. Anas Sabit, Tichiman. Now, daily activities including showering, eating lunch, and a drink and hangout with friends after work may have implications on your ability to make children in the future. That's according to the Fertility Society of Ghana, FESOG. The society says while fertility concerns have conventionally been linked to female factors, recent research highlights the notable role of male fertility in the conception process. Jacqueline Ansumayabwa reports. 
According to recent findings, male fertility contributes to up to 50% of infertility cases, as emphasized by Dr. Adam Hiaji, the president of the Fertility Society of Ghana. This revelation underscores a significant knowledge gap in terms of awareness, accessibility, and the quality of care related to male fertility issues. In Ghana, the major causes of infertility will be... Um, low sperm count as a result of maybe infections that they've had in their youth. Um, there is a cause from viruses which is called mumps. In mumps, uh, I think it has different names in the, in, in, in the local, some people call it Jimerikutu, where there's a huge swelling. People think it's something you must go through uh, as puberty it affects teenagers a lot but most of the time that virus called mumps affects the testes as well and it may damage some of the, the testicular uh, organs I said during the presentation that there is a global decline in sperm count over the years 70 years ago, 1950 the levels were around 100 and 13 million sperms per meal. By 1990, it had dropped to 66%, which means like half. And then now the rate of drop is even increasing. And it's thought that it's due to a lot of pollution in the, in the world. Generally, as the world became more industrialized and there's more pollution, that is also affecting men. Dr. Hiaji called upon the government to extend support for the enhancement of comprehensive fertility services, emphasizing the need to bridge the existing gap. Infertility does not respect your social standing. It can affect the poor man, it can affect the middle income man, it can affect the rich man. But sadly, the rich man may be more able to find money to look for uh, help whilst the ordinary person may not. Currently, all the centers are in the private sector. We are praying that gradually some of these can be um, available on the public sector, teaching hospitals at least, so that more people would be able to get there. In response to these concerns, the Member of Parliament for Ayawaso West Wigan, Lydia Sayram Al-Hassan, affirmed the government commitment to establishing an assisted reproductive bill. Industry is not regulated. Almost all industries are regulated. And Ministry of Health is working hard for the bill, the assisted reproductive bill to be brought to Parliament. And once it is brought to Parliament, we will do our part at the health committee to ensure that the bill is passed. The pioneers in the field of reproductive health continue their journey, motivated by the belief that every journey to parenthood should commence with equal opportunities and endless optimism. Jacqueline Ansumayabwesh report for Joy News. Now, a private burial ceremony has been held for the late Queen Mother of the Gastit, Na Dede Amedru III, here in Accra. It took place after the casket of the late Queen Mother was paraded through principal streets of Accra on Saturday night after an interdenominational and traditional burial service at the Garmanches Palace. There's more in the following report. 
Deafening sounds of musketry, mourners clad in red carrying pots on their heads with green leaves placed in between their lips. Others had their faces painted black with white stripes and wore beads on their ankles and knees. Traditional rulers from far and near were present to bid their final farewell to the late Queen Mother. Though it was of mourning, it was moment of showcasing rich gun culture. One the Queen Mother embodied as she pursued a legacy of empowering women and fighting for the welfare of girls. Some of the chiefs, including the chief of Aikain Doblo, Ni Amudodu, highlighted the legacy of the late Queen Mother. She's done a lot of great things for the Gun State, and we remember her for that. But for now, we are mourning her. We only pray that in the nearest future we would find someone who would have her qualities as a queen mother to facilitate the development of the Ghana state. She has been a very great success for the women of Accra, all and then the girls, because she organized girls' child education, and then women in trading. She did a whole lot of things which everybody needed to emulate and then continue from where she left. We intend to replicate the things that she's done for the girl state. She stood for the girl child. She stood for education. She stood for the liberation of the girl state. And then she stood for the peace of girl state. The political class had their final farewells. So the vice president is, is just arriving at the funeral grounds. Welcome. So that's the vice president. He just came in. Many people from all walks of life are here to um, commiserate with the Ghana state, especially the king, Teko uh, Churu, who is the Ghana chair at the moment. So that is why we are all gathered here today to help support and to lay her to a final destination. And they are happy to have worked with her as the great Agra regional minister. That was some time ago. A very beautiful lady. Um, she did very well in helping us create the Queen Mother's Association of the Ghana State and the Grand State. She did her best to bring unity among the Queen Mothers in the Ghana State. She reigned for 59 years, born on 1934. Just two, two years ahead of me, 88 years, and then she, she ruled very, very well. Member of Parliament for Odododio constituency shared some personal encounters he had with the late Queen Mother. She was almost like a mother to me. My house is just about 400 meters from my house. She used to whip me when... I have not bathed in the, in the morning. And she also feed me on weekends. Weekends, she used to give me banku and okro soup. She was a mother to me. She encouraged me to become an assembly member. When he took his turn, the Garmanche, whose tribute was read by a member of the funeral planning committee, Nathaniel Ato, eulogized the late Queen Mother.
amidst grief about the leadership void her passing away has created. As a young girl of 29 years, Manye Nadede Omadru III accepted the mantle of leadership for the 60 years that she reigned. She demonstrated the essence of God royalty through her commitment to her people, especially women and girls, and secured her place in history as the longest reigning queen of the God state. As we arrive at the end of this chapter of our history, we must give thanks for her life. Let us remember her values, ideals, and all that hold her dear, and the causes she championed, as well as her passion for the God state. I promise to continue to honor the memory of our beloved Manye by ensuring that her legacy lives on to a future of peace, progress, unity, prosperity, and all for the God state. Manye, Yawajuba, farewell our queen. May the angels receive you well. The funeral rite continues through Saturday night as the Asafwa Cheme and Asafwa Nyeme companies parade the caskets of the late Queen Mother through the principal streets of Accra under the direction of the Municipal Security Council, followed by a private burial ceremony. Latifi Dries, Joy News, Accra. And here in our studio, Zarko Komlemle and Bernice Abubeidu Lansa. And it's a few hours to the biggest musical concert here in Ghana. I'm talking about our Doom Praise. And this year, it is the choirs edition. We are bringing together some of the best choirs in the country to give you a rich experience of praise and worship and uh, Joshua Tigo who is uh, programs manager for Adom joins me with more and he's joining us live from the venue hello Josh I can see that everything is set and um, if you can unmute your device so we get a sense of you know the the sound in the place and all the music rehearsals that are ongoing, dress rehearsals we call them but tell us what we are likely to expect when we join the team at 4 p.m. later tonight at Perez Dome. Okay, thank you very much. But as you can see, there's so much acting behind me. Um, all manner of things are happening here. In fact, uh, when I got here a few hours ago, Perez had, uh, the Perez campus had, had closed, and um, the choir remained on stage, did a few, uh, one or two songs uh, before, uh, departing the stage. So, as you can see, uh, it's soon has already started. And um, you can only expect the best. You can only expect the best. And I am excited. I, I mean, the two people that have come to meet here who are close from service have told me that they, they, they do not intend to go home. They will stay on uh, until it is 4 p.m. when the action starts. Mind you, we have a, a red carpet that is starting at about 3 p.m. And so we, we want to encourage patrons to get there early enough so they can mm. have an opportunity to, to do all that they would have to do before the acting starts. Right, Joshua. So we'll be joining you and the team. Thank you so much for the hard work you've put into this. So in just about an hour, we are hitting three o'clock. So make your way to the Perez Chapel. And uh, for this year's edition of Adum Praise, uh, we are having the choirs from... Christ Temple East at CT Praise. We have Harmonious Choral. We have the Perez Chapel Choir. Um, we have Team Eternity. 
10 wonderful choirs across the country. You don't want to miss it. The choir from Royal House Chapel, and the list goes on and on. So just put yourselves together. We also have the multimedia choir, so it's going to be exciting tonight as we praise and thank God for how far he has brought us. So we'll be expecting to see you. You can get an e-ticket. You can get a ticket at Perez Chapel as well as the other churches that are representing. Thank you so much for your company on this edition of the Joy Newsroom. I'm Bernice Abubeidu Lansa. There's more news when you log on to myjoyonline.com. Do enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Good afternoon. <laughs>